You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. <laughs> well, I just want to thank Pastor Ben for allowing me to preach this morning and trust me with the Word of God. And uh, I just want all you to know what, um, that when Terry and I came here, we started attending in July of 2017. And uh, after serving 19 years at our last church, we were pretty hurting and broken. And I just want to give just a little cap on that. So there was a financial problem happening at our church because the attendance had gone down. And I was on staff at that time as a senior associate. I was a music pastor there, then I was an interim lead pastor, and then a senior associate for three and a half years. And they had to figure out how to handle that financial deficit. And so um, it, it just happened to be that it was to let me go was the easiest thing to do. Um, I was a luxury as a senior associate as, as tennis was down, but, but that's not really important right now. What I, we came hurting and broken, and the pastors on staff here were just awesome at Terry and I, and um, they knew what we had been through. I chatted with Pastor Ben and Pastor Bobby and what, it, what had happened, and Pastor Ben and Jessica and, and Pastor Bobby and Kyle just, they loved us and let the Lord heal us. Help us through our confusion and just let us be. Just let us sit. You know, they, they, were, they let us sit in the congregation and do nothing. So for a pastor and a pastor's wife, um, I, I want you to know that these people never do nothing. They're always doing something, always helping somewhere. Um, we've been doing something for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> we just soaked in the wonderful uh, presence of the Lord that was here um, and I remember talking about the wonderful chaos was, that was there between services um, over um, on Pontaluna Road there in Harvey. But the worship that Pastor Bobby uh, had here and the presence of the Lord that was here and the word of God that was preached so faithfully and still is by Pastor Ben. And the Lord began his work in us. And he continues to work in our hearts and our lives today. Your pastor didn't push us into ministry. Uh, they just listened to us. They encouraged us. And they prayed for us. And you'll never know, Pastor Bobby, Pastor Ben, how much that meant to us. We love you. We thank you so much for that. We have great pastors here at the Gateway Church. Amen? Amen. Um, and that includes Pastor Rachel. And uh, Pastor Rachel was there before Pastor Drew and Becca as well. We just thank you for what you're doing and for the body of Christ here. As Pastor um, Ben mentioned, we're continuing to the book of Mark this morning. And we're in Mark 11. And I'm going to read, give you a Reader's Digest version. I asked in the first service, how many people know what a Reader's Digest was? We might have a little more here, but the youth says, what's a Reader's Digest? So <clears throat> that means I can go longer than I'm thinking of. No, I'm just teasing. The, the first part, though, it's going to be real, real basic here until I get to the verse that I want, to, I want to kind of set on for a bit. The first part of this chapter is Mark 11, 1 through 10, is a triumphal entry into Jerusalem where Jesus is riding on a colt, colt and spread, the people spread their coats and their clothes on a road. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was quite a celebration. Verses 11 through 14, Jesus curses a fig tree because it wasn't bearing any fruit. All you bearing fruit in here this morning? I hope so. I, you know, but that's what the Lord's looking for. He's saying, I want people who are bearing fruit that their lives bring in people to the Lord. Verses 15 through 17, Jesus enters the temple. And he drove out the money changers and those who sold doves. Then he said, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer 
for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Verses 18 to 19 says, Then the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. You need to remember, we were just in verse 11 through 14. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And eight verses later, they're, they're seeking how to destroy him and discredit him. This morning, I, I want to focus on the words of Jesus in verses 20 through 24. Um, let's look at those this morning. It says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, talking to Jesus, Look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Another group of verses that are very similar to, um, to these are John 14, 13, and 14. But before we go into those verses, I just want you to see this video that's going to set the stage for what I'm going to talk about this morning. <laughs> The show where we reward the contestant who can best misuse scripture to mean whatever they want. <laughs> Let's meet our contestants. She's a no-nonsense mother of three who believes she knows everything about the Bible. Welcome, Helen! <laughs> Going up against her today is this confused man. Say hello to Doug. I'm not really sure why I'm here. Time for our first challenge. Take any verse out of context. Helen. John 14, 13, Jesus said, whatever you ask in his name, he will give to you. So if you don't get what you want, then that means that my faith is better than yours. Ah, John 14, 13, just got Helen 14.13 points. <laughs> that brings us to our first break. But there'll be more twisted right after this 34-minute commercial. Hi, I'm the commercial. 34 minutes, we'll give or take a few. But sometimes we treat Jesus' promises and his word like it's a game show. You know, we ask for what we want, he's got to give it to us. It's one of the most misused verses in the Bible. Let me read those. Jesus said this, I will do what he says. Jesus said that I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for what? He says, you ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you pray to, to the name of Jesus to get the job you want, you got to get the job you want, right? That's what it says there. you got to get the girl. you gotta, you got to win the lottery, right? That's what it says. If you ask for anything in my name, in, in my Bible, it, it's red in here. I don't know about your Bibles. you got red where Jesus talks in your Bible. So I know it's Jesus, right? <laughs> it, it, it must come true like that. Let me give you a, a hypothetical uh, situation. It's an example. What would happen if you knew a really, really sweet lady and she got treatable cancer, okay? It's treatable cancer. Could have been cured by doctors. All these people in a small group decided to stand on that verse. You know, they're going to stand on that verse. Not sure what that means, to stand on a verse. You take your Bible and stand on it. But, but I'm going to stand on this verse. I'm going to commit this to her. I'm claiming this in Jesus' name. We believe that she's going to be healed. But ultimately, she refuses treatment, and she tragically dies. Treatable cancer. 
curable cancer. She refuses treatment, believing faith in Jesus, in his name, she would be healed. Obviously, this verse is not true, obviously. And obviously, this verse does not work according to her. Obviously, this is not really what Jesus was saying. It's not true. Or perhaps maybe we're twisted in our understanding in our application of what Jesus was saying. What I want to do today is I want to kind of give you a real simplified version of how to learn to interpret Scripture. Three simple thoughts if you're taking notes to find real meaning in Scripture. Number one, we need to understand the context. You know, what, what does it mean? What does that mean, the context? Well, we want to know not just what the verse says. We want what the verse says before it and the verse says after it. We want to know who wrote that, and we also want to know to whom it was written. What is the major theme? What is God trying to say through this author? So we want to understand the context. We don't want to just pull a verse out you know, and, and claim on that one verse. Let's be honest, all of us have done that. It, it suited our our need for that moment, so we just claim that one verse. I've done this. It doesn't make you a heretic. It doesn't mean you're going to go to hell, but it just means that you're learning in your understanding of Scripture. And we want to embrace and understand the context. Number two, we want to interpret Scripture with other Scriptures. This is really important. In other words, the best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible, okay? We're not going to make or just take one verse and build our life a statement on it, our life theology around one verse, or build a doctrine out of one verse. We're going to take a verse and we're going to look at what the other verses say about it that are similar in theme. And we're going to build our theology over the consistency of 66 different authors, 66 books in the Bible, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to interpret Scripture with Scripture, or like I say, Scripture interprets Scripture. And so number three, and most importantly, We're going to apply what we learn. The Bible is not a book to be studied. Okay, we do study the Bible, but it's not only a book to be studied as much as God's letter to us to be lived. It's how we live our life. It's a blueprint for us. It's an owner's manual, and we need to make sure we have that. We want to apply it to our lives so that what I want to do today, as we look at John 14 when we look at Mark, the words of Jesus, you can have whatever you ask, for in my name. I want to understand the context, interpret the Bible with the Bible, and then learn to apply it. So let's start with the context. What, who wrote the book of John? John, yeah, I don't mean to be shy about that, John. It's probably the easiest answered question I have today, though. Uh, it's about as easy as it gets. What is the main theme of the book of John? I'll tell you if you don't know. The main thing of the book of John is John was trying to prove that Jesus was the Son of God. That's the main theme. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. John 1.14, it says, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. He's the Word and dwelt among us. The main theme of John was trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. So what is the context of, of John 14? We look at one verse. We already looked at it. Let me tell you about the whole chapter of John 14. It starts out with Jesus essentially says, do not be afraid. I'm going to prepare for you a place. In my house there are many mansions, many rooms which will be for you. Do not worry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He goes on to say, when I go away, it's really good news for you. It's going to be better for you that I go away. 
I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you. Even though I'm going away, don't worry, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. If you look at the main theme of John 14, Jesus is really talking, he's not talking about prayer. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about here, but about the preparation he's making for you and for me. What's the context of John? To prove that Jesus is the Son of God. What's the big theme of John 14? It's not prayer. The big theme of John 14 is the preparation that Jesus is going to make for us. So with that understanding, let's reread a portion of the verse. And this time, let's do it from the perspective of not making ourselves the main character to text. It's all about me. No, it's not. But remember the, res- the respect who is always main character to text, and that is who? God. Not us. God is always the main character in the Bible. Not us. So let's read it with that context in understanding. John 14, 13, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Then he says, um, why does he say that? He says, so that, he's going to give us the purpose here. Why is he going to do this? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see what just happened? The reason God answers prayer is that, not so your life would be better, although he, he wants that for you, so we could have more money, so you'd always have that kitchen that you've always wanted and dreamed of. You recognize that? The reason God answers prayer is so that the Father in heaven may be glorified. When we read this not as seeing ourselves as the main subject in the Bible, but seeing God as the main subject of the Bible, we recognize there is a much different purpose for our prayers. Well, why we are dealing with this morning, you know, you know, Pastor Doug, what are you talking about this for? Because as a pastor, I would argue that this is probably the second, the top two maybe, but maybe the number one reason why I've seen people walk away from the Lord. You know, I prayed for it, I believed for it. He didn't give it to me, therefore he isn't real. He's not real. He doesn't care or he's not good. Over and over again, I've seen people walk away from the faith in God because God did not do what they wanted him to do. So understanding the context, let's now take the moment and try to interpret Scripture with Scripture. In other words, what else does the Bible say about what God cares about when we pray? And we're going to look at four different things today. I've already given you three, so there'll be four more. That'll be how many? Oh, seven. So it'll be seven. Um, so we don't got three, so we're good. I'll be nice and quick. The first thing we need to recognize is what matters to God when we pray. Number one, evidently relationships matter to God when you pray. Your relationships matter to God. Back to Mark chapter 11, Jesus said this. He said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. It's an amazing promise. Verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what are you to do? Say it aloud. You are to, I can't hear you. Say, forgive them. There you go. (laughs) Why? So that the Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Okay, wow. When you're praying, if you're ticked off at somebody, deal with that relationship before you keep on praying. You know, you wonder why you're not, your prayers aren't being answered. Evidently, your relationships matter to God. It's a little bit like this. God, I want a pony. I want a pony. I want a pony in Jesus' name. I claim it. I name it. I want a pony. And I hate my brother. Well, sorry, no pony, right? No pony with that attitude because your relationships matter with your, brother, your brothers and sisters. And as a parent, you guys will recognize these phrases. We know this is true. He hit me. I hate her. She's touching me. She came in my room. 
Can I have a friend over? No, you can't have a friend over. Not until you get along with your brother and sisters, you're not going to ask, you get what you ask for. So as a parent, I mean, it, we, it's pretty easy it, to see that. It's simple. And evidently, to some degree, this matters to God, that we get along together with our brothers and sisters. In fact, let me talk to husbands for just a moment. I just want to warn you, wives, don't elbow him. Don't say amen too loud. Just sit there, look forward, and pretend like I'm talking to someone else's husband and let God work on yours. Okay? So this is what the Bible says, guys, and this is for me too, just a little hint for us. 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that what? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Oh, okay. So how do I apply that? I'm being a jerk to my wife, Terry. It's King James Version. It's more spiritual that way. But I don't want you to miss this. Watch this. You might miss it. If I'm being a jerk to Terry, what might that do? That might hinder my prayers, right? Evidently, there's something else that matters to God when you pray. And that's your relationships matter to God. Second thing is your motives matter to God. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in chapter 4, verse 3. He said, when you ask, you do not receive. Because sometimes what are you doing? You're asking with what? Wrong motives. Okay? This was common in the day of Jesus. The Pharisees often had the wrong motives. They, they wanted to be seen, and they wanted to be heard. They'd stand on the street corners and pray these fancy prayers. Dear God, Father in heaven, I thank you that I'm not like this Gentile brother next to me. Lord, and I can pray these long prayers, you know. And God's saying, well, that's the wrong motive. That's the wrong motive. Jesus said, you're a hypocrite when you do this. We're all susceptible to having wrong motives. I've been susceptible to that. Here's another example. Maybe you, you got saved in college. You know, you were... You were not saved, and you got college, got dramatically saved. You became a brand new Christian. And so you're thinking, well, I, I want a Christian girl now, but I don't just want a regular Christian girl. I want a girl that's smoking hot. You know, I, and there are smoking hot Christian girls, don't get me wrong. But when you, when you couldn't find one, you just picked a smoking hot wild girl, and then you said, God, please save her. Please save her. Get her saved. Say, glory to God. Now there's a good prayer. Save her, Jesus. Save her. Save her. Sounds right, you know. Wrong motives. Wrong motives. Your motives matter when you pray. Proverbs 16, 2 said, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but the what? Say it aloud. But the motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's prayers, person's ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. So think about that when you go into the Lord in prayer. What are my motives here? What am I doing this for? Why am I praying? Evidently, there are some things that matter to God when you pray. First, your relationships matter to, to God when you pray, and your motives appear to matter to God when you pray. Number three, your faith appears to matter to God. When you pray, James said this, it, this way in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He said, but you ask, and you must believe, not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to do what? That the person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Evidently, your faith moves the heart of God. Your faith matters to God. I love when Jesus talks about little children coming and have childlike faith. Some of you have children and grandchildren who 
really trusted in Jesus. There's something beautiful, something powerful when you see this childlike faith. I saw this with my youngest son, Jordan, who's here this morning. He's not young anymore. And I told him I was going to talk about him. He still came, so it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> when he's about seven or eight years old, we had gone camping at, camping at Waterloo State Recreation Area, if I can say that, in Chelsea. Um, you know where that's at, Waterloo? You ever been there? State Park. Um, it's, it's about 10 miles from Paholo down in Grass Lake, Michigan, if that gives you an idea. But we were camping, and I started getting to get cramps in, in my right side, and uh, my wife's a nurse. We were both thinking that might be in an appendix that's happening there, and, and I'm like, nah. So I just kept going on, you know, just a little pain. It's not that bad, and chopping wood and doing the things that men do while you're camping, building fires, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm a guy, and I wouldn't want to go to a doctor if I didn't have to. It's like, oh, this pain will just go away. After all, it's just a little bit of pain. Well, as time went by, the pain got worse and got so bad that I couldn't stand up straight. I was kind of bent over. So I'm all right. I'll be good. So, but it got so bad, I had to go into the camper, just lay down on the bed in agony, you know. And Terry's sitting beside me, and we're trying to decide what to do. You know, camping was something we really liked to do as a family, but uh, we, were, we were new at camping, and we bought this old camper, I think maybe for six or 700 bucks way back then. And um, it wasn't those kind of you crank up, or you push a button, it goes, it pops out. It's when you got the push up and say, hurry up and put that pin in before I lose my grip here. And then the other side, you got to do the whole, it's just, it was crazy. So she and the kids couldn't do that. Uh, it just was too heavy. And um, as we were trying to figure out what to do, Jordan comes in and asks if he can pray for me. And I'm not sure if I ever told this, but I'm thinking, what good is that going to do? It's an appendix. You know, I mean, if it's burst, it's burst. Um, I didn't say that. I was just thinking it. Oh, you have little faith. Jordan begins to pray with his childlike faith, and the pain starts to go away. Then he just kind of lays down beside me and lays his hand on my stomach, a lot smaller stomach at that time. Um, it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't a shouting prayer. It was a childlike, faith-like prayer. God, I love you, and you love me, and you love my daddy. In Jesus' name, please heal him. You know, something like that. And lo and behold, the pain continues to leave. And before you know it, I'm, I'm up walking around. And I'm amazed God touched me, you know, the great man of faith that I am. <laughs> I wasn't a pastor yet then, so I was still, so now I'm a pastor, I have all the faith that, no, I'm teasing. <clears throat> we're, we're normal sometimes. There was no sign whatsoever of the pain anymore. I was walking around, standing up straight with no pain. Because evidently, to some degree, and I can't fully explain it, but our faith matters to God. In fact, when two blind men came to Jesus and said, have mercy on us, Jesus, in Mark 9, 29, he did this. The scripture says, he touched their eyes and he said, according to your what, somebody? According to your faith. faith. Say it again. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. And their sight was restored. Faith matters to God. And as proved with Jordan praying for me, it wasn't my faith, obviously. I told you what I was thinking. It was his faith. God rewarded his faith as he prayed for me. So if you're really taking really good note, here's what you conclude, conclude right now. We're not quite done, so it might still be warped. If my relationships are all good, and my motives are pure, and if I have enough faith, then God has got to do whatever I ask him to do. Okay? Now, when you believe that, we might slip a little bit into what used to be called, and it's maybe around still, the prosperity gospel, or the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, or see it and be it type gospel. 
Like, I want a car in Jesus' name. That car's mine. I'm confessing it. It's mine. No, I'm not employed. You got to understand that. I don't like working, but that car's going to be mine, bless God. It's coming to me. Or we're in the lottery in Jesus' name. That girl walked into singles group. I claimed her. I claimed her before you, Bert. She's mine in Jesus' name. She's mine. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, see it, be it, whatever you want. If I just have enough faith, it's got to be done. If I just say the good things, in other words, it's up to me, okay? It's up to my faith. It's up to me. What I'm going to do now is make some of you mad if you've grown up in this prosperity gospel, but you've been raised in this and you're about to write me off. And I just want to tell you, hang with me, just hang with me because this is really serious. If I have enough faith, if I have pure motives, if I do this, God's got to, right? He's my magic genie, you know, or he's my cosmic Coke machine. I put the money in, and he's got, I push the button. I have to get what I ordered because I said it in Jesus' name, all right? We need to understand that God's will matters, number four. His will, his sovereign nature, his goodness, his character, his eternal plan, God's will matters. Jesus, John, the very same John, who said you can have anything you pray for in Jesus' name, also said, he saw you building scripture upon scripture. The very same John who said that said this. He said, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, let's all say it out, help me out, according to his will. Okay, say it again. If we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we, we know that we have what we ask for of him if we ask according to his will. We cannot just ask him for whatever we want and demand that he does it for us. Now, that makes God, me God, all right? That makes us gods, not him. You know, it's according to my will. But what really is, it's according to his will. If we understand that, suddenly our main text that we've been talking about, Mark eleven twenty four and John fourteen fourteen, might make a little more sense to us when we read it again. Jesus said, you may ask her anything in my name, and I will do it. In my name. And I just want to tell you, you know, Jesus prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember, he was praying all the way to the point of sweating blood in the garden. And he said... But even he said, and he knew what he was going to. He was going to the cross for you and for me. He said, if, if, it's, if it's up to me, if my will was done, Jesus is praying. I forget that cross. Let's find a different way. But not my will done, he said. Your will be done. And that's the same thing we pray in our prayers and how we need to say that. In other words, if we're going to go to the Father, we're, we need to understand that the name of Jesus then we need to ask something according to the will of God. If we don't ask it according to the will of God, we are discrediting him as we use the name of Jesus. Let me explain it this way. This is kind of a, not a perfect illustration, but I hope it might help. When I moved my family from Portland in 1998 to become a music pastor in Muskegon, we were driving junk cars because when you're a, a, on a pastor's salary and you have uh, four kids, you drive junk cars. It's just the way it is. It is all right. God provided um, well, we had a, a real hard time finding a good mechanic I could trust. We had some Teen Challenge men that would work on them from time to time, and they were a blessing to us. And, but one day, someone told me about a guy named Clark, who owns Gomery's, a local car shop in Norton Shores. And I would take my car there, and he would tell me what's wrong with it. 
I would say, well, I think this is wrong, Clark. He'd say, well, actually, this is what's wrong. I said, oh, okay, thank you, and he would save me a bunch of money. So instead of doing what I told him to do, he would do what he does because he's a, he's a mechanic, and I'm not. <laughs> I can do breaks. That's about it. Um, but a short time after that, I became a benevolence pastor and at the church I was at, which is why they, called, they call you a benevolence pastor because people come in who have money problems, and you try to, try to help them out. So when it came up with the car problems, I said, I'll just go down to see Clark and tell them that Pastor Doug sent you. Um, and he would fix their car and give me the bill at the church, not me personally, um, and I would pay for it. Clark gave me the best customer service I've ever had. You just couldn't imagine. I started telling everyone who had car problems about Clark and sending them to him and telling them to tell him that Pastor Doug sent you, you know, so he'll know who you are. And he really appreciated it. Until one day, we just kind of asked him, I was taking care of some benevolence issues, and I said, how is it going to be sending people down here? He said, well, I didn't want to really talk about it, but one of the people you sent down here didn't pay their bill. I said, oh. I said, how long ago? It's about six months. I said, wow. I said, who was it? And I said, you know what? I don't even need to know who it is. And I said, give me their bill. I'll pay it. I said, I'm sorry about that. And he didn't want to take the money, but I said, you really need to take this because it's on my word. It's on my name that I sent them down here. So when I tell you, tell you to give somebody my name, here's the deal. And this, I don't mean to be prideful. It's just here, here the, the, the scenario I'm setting up. You go in and you treat Clark with respect, okay? It's a privilege and responsibility to use my name. In other words, what I'm doing is I'm taking my name, my 20 relationship with Clark, and I'm giving you access through it that you didn't have before. It's a privilege and responsibility. I'm giving you something you did not earn. So when you go before God, okay, you can use the name of Jesus. You have access to the creator of the universe because Jesus gave you permission. Not because you have a right to. In Jesus' name, I can have this. I'm going to claim this because of what Jesus did. He gives you the right to speak to the God that you do not deserve to speak to. Well, that sounds harsh, but that's truth. Suddenly you recognize using the name of Jesus is a massive responsibility, and it's a privilege. I have the privilege to enter into the throne of grace because of who Jesus is and for what he did. Nothing about me, about him. Therefore, this is not the key that unlocks the lock to get me everything that I want. Okay, I come in honoring Jesus who gave me access to the Father. So here's the, what happens. We pray sometimes and God does a miracle. And we pray and sometimes it doesn't go like we want. The tragedy is too many people walk away from God because God didn't do exactly what they wanted him to. I'll give you an example. My sister Sharon, she's a beautiful, my beautiful little sister, go ahead James, who just turned 52 years old, maybe 53, I'm not sure. This is a picture of her and her husband Chris before the accident in her home. On October 10th, 2016, she entered her home through the garage door and stepped onto the landing. And for some reason... The basement door had been left open. We're not sure, but she lost her balance and fell backwards down the stairs into her basement. She hit her head partway down the stairway, which knocked her unconscious and continued to fall like a rag doll. She hit her head on the floor and put a big gash in her, her head as her face hit the cement. Next picture, if you would. So that's my sister. The result was a spinal injury followed by surgery that left her without feeling from her chest down. Four years later, she had, had regained some strength. She could move her hands 
And when they get in her pool, they can get her legs going, and it's kind of strange. They just keep going. Don't know why, you know. But four years later, she's still totally dependent for the most part on her husband, Chris, who is by her side 24-7. Go ahead, James. And this is them in the, their van. Got to buy a chair, got to buy a van. And uh, his, his um, company allows him to work from home. So all those things have been blessed. But we're still praying. Every single day we pray, every single day I believe, this will be the day that God heals her. God will do a miracle. Every day we pray, every single day, God hasn't yet answered that prayer yet. At least not how we want it to be answered. But here's what you need to know. Today, this is what I believe. When I prayed, I believe God can heal her. And today when I prayed, I believe God would heal her. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I still believe. I still believe. I believe he can and I believe he will, but even if he doesn't, I still believe. Why? Because my faith in God does not rest on what he does for me or doesn't do for me. My faith in God rests on what Jesus already did for me on the cross and the empty tomb. It's already settled. I'm unwavering in my faith. If prayer is the only tool for me to get what I want, then that's an insult to God. Imagine if I went to my earthly father and said, Dad, give me this. Dad, give me that. Dad, I want more of these things. In the hill name, give me this. Give me this. What does that do? That makes my dad my servant. God is not my servant. I am his servant. I am not the main character in Scripture. God is. He's the main character in Scripture. If he doesn't do what I want him to do, that doesn't lessen who he is. If it doesn't wreck my faith because my faith is not based on him doing things for me, doing things that I demand him to do. If I ask anything, I ask in his name, and it will be done unto me. Why? So the Father in heaven may be glorified. It's all about him not about me. Prayer isn't just for me to get my wish list accomplished by God. It's the avenue through which I get to know God and give Him glory through it. It's not just getting Him to do what I want Him to do. It's me getting to know Him. It's me hearing from Him and getting to bring Him glory. The purpose of God answering my prayer isn't so I get what I want, a better life, my best life today. The purpose of God answering my prayer is so that He would get the glory. The reason I pray is not to get him to do what I want, but to submit my will to what he wants. Your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. With that understanding this morning, I, I hope that your faith is built. I hope you pray for big things and believe for big things. I believe that you believe that God can, and I hope that you trust that he will. But even if he doesn't, I want you to still believe because your faith does not rest on what God is doing, having you telling him what to do. Your faith rests on his goodness, on the empty tomb that Jesus died and rose again so that we could live. And for that reason, we put our faith in him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do a healing work in so many people's lives this morning those watching online and for those that are in here especially God those for those who may be hurting 
they feel like they've been let down, disappointed. And God, for those who are still praying for something significant today, we ask God that you would do miracles in ways that only you can. This morning I want to talk to those of you who have some burden in your life right now. There's something you're praying for every day. I'm praying for my sister Sharon. There may be something in your life like that that's unsettled, something you'd like different, a relationship you'd like healed, someone who has a health issue, a financial issue, a job-related issue, even a COVID issue this morning. It could be any number of things, but it's real to you. Some of you, you might have given up on prayer. You know, you're not even praying about it anymore. But if you believe that God might do something, you might even pray. Others of you, you're praying every day, and you might be getting a little discouraged or a little worn out, but you continue to want to have faith. For those of you who would say, yeah, that's, there's something in my life that I really wish God would do something about. I need his help. I need his power. If that's any of you this morning, raise your hand. Even at home, if you're at home, raise your hand there, just showing God that you need him. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and put your hands down. Father, I pray that for those with a need or burden today, even those who didn't lift their hands, God, you know who they are. I pray, God, that you would build our faith not just because of what you want to do or what you do or don't do for us even, but because your word is spoken. And when we hear your word, it builds faith. God, I pray that our faith would be in your character and your name and your goodness and your sovereignty and your will. So, God, we come to you as children with childlike faith, asking you, telling you you're a big God, reminding ourselves you can do anything. All things are possible with you. And we pray for miracles. God, I pray for my sister to be healed, that she would get up out of that wheelchair and walk again. God, I pray for marriages to be restored and healed. God, I pray for those who are unemployed to have financial provision, that you would meet their need. God, I pray for those with serious illnesses, cancer even, God. There's nothing too big for you. God, we pray that in the name of Jesus that is above every name, we ask for supernatural healing. God, we believe that you can and you will hear our prayers. God, we believe that in our lifetime we will see many, many miracles. God, we believe in faith that you will hear these prayers and move. And there will be many instances where we give you glory because of what you have done. But God, even if you don't do what we know you can do, I believe you will. We still declare it. We love you. We worship you. And we still believe. Amen. And amen. Thanks, Pastor Doug. Wasn't that fantastic? What a practical word for today. And no matter what you're facing, we can trust the Lord that he does care for us. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close with a song that really dovetails into this message. It's going to really kind of help us to just really uh, let these things set in and, and really help us. At the end of this song, I'm going to offer the free gift of salvation. Uh, we, we want to make sure that if you 
do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, that you do not walk out of these doors or you don't turn off uh, the live stream until you come to faith and until you make that decision to follow Jesus. And so just make sure you're aware of that. But without further ado, uh, Pastor Bobby, lead us as the Lord leads you. And uh, let's just really let this song roll over us this afternoon. If you're here this morning, if you're on watching online this afternoon, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the song we just sang takes us through the narrative of who Jesus is. He's a loving Father, and He wants a relationship with you. Or maybe you've walked away. Maybe at one time you served the Lord, and you're just not at where you were at one point. I'm going to encourage you to come back to Jesus. I'm going to just pray a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. It's not the words of this prayer that would save you if you repeat them. It's really your heart. And it's not that you pray this prayer and then all of a sudden you've, uh, uh, you've made it. No, this faith journey, it's a journey and it takes time. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning that your start could be today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. <laughs> like the song said, you're my living hope. You're, I've tried everything, but Lord, you are the only thing that really will count, will ever matter. And today I put my faith in you. Lord, help me to live all the days of my life for you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You know what Pastor Doug was saying as we leave here, our relationships matter. Are we okay with our brothers and sisters? Our motives matter. And our faith matters. Lord, help our motives, help our faith to be built. And then ultimately, we rest in the will of God. Isn't that a powerful word? I thank you. Pastor Doug, I think he's back at the booth again uh, doing our camera angles. Uh, thank you, Pastor Doug. You've blessed us. And today as we leave, let's go with that understanding that ultimately it's up to the Lord how he will work on our behalf. But that doesn't mean we don't pray in faith. That doesn't mean we don't believe and stand on the word. And, I, and it just, we, it really speaks to the sovereignty of God. And Lord, today we just declare that you are Lord of Lords. You're the King of Kings. And we trust you. And Lord, we do care about our relationships. We do want our motives to be in check. And we do want our faith to be strong. But Lord, ultimately, we surrender to your will. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done in our circumstances, in our lives. And Lord, now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said again, amen and amen. We love you. Go ahead and put your masks on. We're going to dismiss from the back to the front, so be patient. And we'll see you outside and, uh, to be able to chat. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. 
you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.